I get this phone call um, on Friday asking if I can preach, and, you know, I start to get this feeling inside of me, like, you know. And so how many of you have ever been asked to do something that was uncomfortable or you just didn't want to do it? You get that phone call or someone asks you to do something, and you're like, nope, not me. Anybody been there? Okay, so like five of you have been here. It's good, I get it. Well, we're going to identify really well with each other this morning. Well, so when I get this phone call, I begin to immediately process in my head all the reasons why I can't do it. And so I say to myself, okay, well, right now I'm mowing. I ain't got time for this. I can't. I mean, what am I supposed to do? I'm mowing. I can't not mow. And so I, I, I do that excuse. And then I think to myself, well, even after I get mowing, because I didn't feel like that was a good enough of an excuse, I said, well, even when I get done mowing, Kaysen's got his birthday party, he just turned 10. And so he's got his birthday party this afternoon. And I can't bail on that. So that takes up more of my time. So I just really don't have the time for this. And so I start to throw all of these excuses out in my head, and then I finally just say, well, you know what, I just, I just don't want to. And then it clicked with me, you know what, no, I talk about how I love um, preaching, I love uh, teaching students, I love being able to come to you guys and talk to you. And so I said, you know what, I'll do it. And so I decided in that moment, okay, I'm going to go ahead and do it. But isn't that the way it works with us? We get called to do something, whether God's calling us to do something big, something little, asking us to step out of our comfort zone. And when he asks us to step out of our comfort zone, our immediate response is not just like, oh man, I'm so excited that God's willing to use me. But our response is, how do I get out of this? And so we're going to look at Moses this morning. And so we are going to be in Exodus chapter 4. But before we go there, um, if you want to go ahead and turn there, I'm going to give you a recap of catch you up on where Moses is in his life. So Moses was born at a point in his life or at a point in time where Pharaoh had made a command that any male ba uh, baby that was born had to be put to death. And the reason that Pharaoh did this is because he was afraid that the Israelite people were going to get up in number so much that they were going to be able to overtake the Egyptians. So he had fear of being overthrown. And so they wanted to put a stop to this. And so Moses' mother, when he's born, she was like, okay, now I'm going to hide Moses. And so when she does that, she hides him for as long as she can. And one day she actually has to take him down to the river. Well, Pharaoh's daughter comes down to the river. And when he, she comes down to the river, she sees Moses and she loves him. And so she's like, okay, I'm going to take Moses in and he's going to become part of my family. And so Moses is spared there. And so as Moses is older... Moses uh, goes out one day and sees the Israelite people and they're being mistreated and he sees an Egyptian and in the process of seeing this abuse, he actually strikes down the Egyptian and goes and hides the body. And so now when he comes back out or later on, he sees two Israelites fighting and he's like, hey guys, what are you doing? Why are you fighting? And when he says this, one of the Israelites turns to him and says, hey, what are you going to do? Strike me down? Is that me? Yes, that is me. I'm the only one with the mic, obviously. Um, and so uh, he says, what are you going to do? Strike me down like you did the Egyptian. So then now Moses is like, uh-oh. So he flees to Midian. When he does that, he ends up at a well, and the priests of Midian's daughters head down to the well. Moses defends them, and then he ends up taking one of them as his wife. Now, for all of you in there, here's my bonus bonus information for you this morning. If you're sitting out here this morning, you're not married yet, and you say, I really want to get married. Um, this is one of the things that's on my bucket list in life is to get married. Well, go to a well. I mean, if you look here, Moses met his wife here, but Moses, when I was reading about this, he's not the first one. 
Isaac and Jacob also meet their wives at a well. So if you want to get married, you're looking for that spouse, go find a well. And you say, Michael, there's no wells around here. I don't know where I'm going to go to find that. Well, cool. Just go to a watering source. Uh, go to the water fountains out here, the fountain out front, wherever. Just kind of hover around that, wait around there. And your spouse is going to come right up. I don't, maybe. I don't know. So anyways, so he uh, goes there. Well, at the, at the end of Exodus 2, it says that God heard the Israelites' moans because they're in captivity at this point. And he hears their moans and he remembers the promise he made to Abraham. Now, before we continue, isn't it cool and reassuring that it says that God heard their moans? So when you find yourself in a position where life is just beating you down or life is just so much at that point, and you're going through some real stuff in your life, realize this, that God hears your cries. He hears your prayers. And that is a reassuring thing. Just right there is enough for this morning to understand that God hears you and he knows when you're speaking to him. So he remembers the promise that he had made to Abraham. God remembers that promise. And so if you don't know about the promise to Abraham, go read that because it's an awesome it's an awesome account of what's going on in the Bible. Please go home today and read that. But, so in a nutshell, this is what it was. God made a promise to Abraham that he was going to start something new and he was going to make his descendants as many as the sands and the sea, stars in the sky. He's going to make him a great nation. And that he's going to give him a land in Canaan, which is the land of milk and honey. And so now Moses is going to take the Israelite people, lead them out of the Egyptians, uh, out of slavery, and begin to take him towards the promised land. And so that's where we're going to pick up. Well, actually, chapter 3, the burning bush comes. Moses is there. He sees a bush that's, being, that's burning, but it's not consumed. And so he starts to go over there. And I think it's funny that God says, hey, stop. And then he tells him to take his shoes off. But he tells him to stop probably because I'm a guy. If I see fire and I see a bush that's not being burned up, I'm going to go over and poke it or mess with it. And so he tells, God, or he tells Moses here, hey, stop. And so then he lays out this plan of what's going to happen. And he tells him how this is going to look and what he's going to go do. That, hey, you're going to go and set my people free and lead them out. But in chapter 3, Moses begins to make some excuses. And so when God tells him, hey, you're the one that's going to go do that, this is what he says. He says, who am I, God? Like, who am I to go do this? And so God responds to him, I will be with you. And then he says, okay, okay, God. All right, if you're going to be with me, cool. But when I get there who do I say you are? Like, who's saying, set my people free? Who is this delivering the message? And then God said, I am the I am. I am has sent you. And so now we're going to pick up in four, because you think there's some excuses here. Four is where he's actually going to begin to start to pour out some more excuses. And so in Exodus chapter four, verse one through 17, if you'll stand while we read, it says, then Moses answered, but behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, the Lord did not appear to you. The Lord said to him, what is in your hand? He said, a staff. And then he said, throw it to the ground. So he threw it to the ground and it became a serpent. And Moses ran from it, which common sense, I'd run from it too. And so, the, but then the Lord said to Moses, put your hand out and catch it by the tail so he put out his hand and caught it, and it became a staff in his hand. Um, 
that they may believe that the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has appeared to you. Again, the Lord said, put your hand inside your cloak. And he put his hand inside the cloak. And when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. Then God said, put your hand back in your cloak. So he put his hand back inside the cloak. And when he took it out, behold, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. If they will not believe you, God said, or listen to the first sign, they may believe the latter sign. And if they will not believe even those two signs or listen to your voice, you shall take some of the water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground. And the water you shall, you shall take from the Nile will become blood on the dry ground. But Moses said to the Lord, here he goes, another excuse. And Moses uh, said to the Lord, oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? You, uh, who has made a mute or deaf or seen or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore go and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. But he said, oh Lord, please send someone else. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Behold, he is coming to meet you, and when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You shall speak to him and put, put the words in his mouth, and, he, and I will be your mouth, and with his mouth, and will teach you both what to do. He shall speak for you to the people, and he shall be your mouth, and you shall be as God to him. And take, your sta and, and take in your hands this staff with, uh, with which you shall do these signs. Let's pray. Dearly Father, Lord, I give you thanks so much, Lord. I thank you for all the great and wonderful things that you do in our life, Lord. I thank you for this account, this, this um, calling of Moses, Lord. And I thank you for the example that we can see here through this scripture and what we can learn from this scripture, Lord. And I pray as we go through this service that we take it and that we grow. It's your name we pray. Amen. All right, so I've titled the sermon Enough, and there's going to be several reasons why, um, and we'll get to those. But when I was younger, Atlanta was about eight, so I don't know what that makes me. I was still, I don't know, somewhere in my 20s. We decided to go to Colorado, and we're going to go whitewater rafting. Now, when we go whitewater rafting, I have never been. Never been, never looked at a video, nothing. I just said, hey, that sounds cool. Let's go do it. And so when we get up there, um, uh, we go to go whitewater rafting, and we get 25 to 30 minutes with this guy that I've never met. Well, let, well let's, let's start back. We, we go and we show up, never met this guy. We talk to him 25, 30 minutes. He gives us the tutorial on how to do all of this. And then they put us in a van and drive us up this mountain, and they're going to throw us in a river, and we're going to go down it. Well, me, I, okay, let's go do it. And so we get up there, and during the process of getting in, we get in, and the rapids are starting to pick up, and one of the girls that's in the raft with us is with her dad, and she says, Dad, I'm too tired. I don't want to do this anymore. And so the, the instructor turns around and says, Dad, pick up her slack. So she's just sitting there. She no longer has her paddle. She's put them inside. Well, then Landon's like, okay. So he starts looking around. He goes, Dad, I don't want to paddle anymore. <laughs> and so we put the paddles inside. The instructor turns around and says, Dad, pick up the slack. And it blew my mind as we're going through this whole process. I'm in a raft doing something I've never done with someone I've never met before. And here I am 
just panicking because, okay, we're going to die now. There's two of us not paddling, but it was all fine. And it clicked with me at the end of this. Well, you know what? I bet this guy has done this before. I bet he's gone down this river before. I bet he's had people stop paddling before. So this guy knew, hey, guess what? I'm not going to get in over my head. I'm going to take these people with me. We're going to have a great time. And so I shouldn't have worried because he's done it before. And it made me think, okay, if I trusted this guy after 25 to 30 minutes that I've never met before to do something I've never done before, and I trusted him with my life, why do I give excuses when God asks me to do things or wants something from my life? Why do I trust a man I've met 30 minutes ago more than the God of the universe? Because the first excuse that, that he gave, that Moses gave here, was he says, well, who am I that I can do this? And God's response, hey, I'll be with you. That should have been enough. Moses should have said, okay. And so why is it that we fight the God of the universe when he calls us to do something that's uncomfortable in our lives or something we don't want to do, but yet we do all of these crazy things and we trust people we don't even know? So the first one, first point for today is enough excuses. And so if you look at Moses in this, he begins to just provide excuse after excuse. And, and Pastor titled his sermon last week, Stop Giving God Your Trash. Well, this morning, stop giving God your excuse. It's enough with the excuses. Moses started saying things that, hey, what if they don't believe me or they listen to me? I'm not eloquent enough. I can't speak well, so I can't be used. And then he finally gets to the point where he's just like, okay, hey, God, listen, just send anybody but me. And so Moses isn't the only one throughout Scripture that ever gave excuses and had an excuse when God was calling him to do something. Gideon, in Judges 6, said, uh, God says, you're a war uh, you warrior, you're going to deliver the Israelites. And then Gideon says, I'm too young. My family's nothing. Why, why me? Like, I can't do this. Jeremiah, God commissioned Jeremiah and Jeremiah to be a prophet. And Jeremiah says, hey, I'm young and I can't speak well. And then Jonah, God says, hey, listen, go and speak to the Ninevites. I need you to go and speak to them. And Jonah didn't give an excuse. He literally just ran away. He said, nope, I ain't doing that. We give excuses when God calls us to do things. So maybe God's talking to you this morning. Uh, as we continue to grow as a church and as, in, as you continue to grow in your life with Christ, God's going to call you to do some stuff that's a little uncomfortable for you. He's going to call you to do things that you may not be very familiar with. And so maybe God's calling you and says, hey, listen, I really am putting on your heart because I need you to teach a Sunday school. And then you're like, ah, God, I don't, I don't speak well. I'm not eloquent enough to do this. I don't know enough. Or maybe God's calling you to lead an event. He says, hey, listen, light night's coming up. We need someone to lead this event. And you go, ah, oh, it's a lot of people. It's too many people for me. I don't know if I can do that. Maybe God's calling you to talk to a family member or a friend. Maybe he's, you're at work and there's something going on. There's some sort of injustice or something going on in your life that you should be standing up for and speaking against. And maybe you're just like, hey, but if God, God, if you knew what's going to happen to me if I speak up, I don't think you'd want me to do this. Or maybe he's asked you to give sacrificially with your time, your talents, or your money. You say, but God, if you knew what that was going to cost me, what I'd have to cut out of my life, 
Don't you know Tuesday nights, I can't go to the guy's Bible study. It's Taco Tuesdays. It's going to cost me something. And we make these excuses time and time again. Maybe God's asking you to move on from something. Maybe you had some sort of trauma in your life, something that's gone on that has affected you deeply, but you're holding on to it and it's been years and you're using that as an excuse to continue, or your excuse to not to continue to grow in Christ. Maybe God's asking you to let that go. When we make excuses, I'm not here to beat you up. I'm not here to say, hey, quit making excuses. I am, I'm saying quit making excuses, but I'm not just here getting on to you. I want you to understand what you're missing out on. When God calls you to do something, you are missing, and you make excuses and you don't do it, you are missing out on some blessings in your life. I'm not saying, hey, God's going to call you and everything's going to be easy road, sunshine, it's going to be great and easy. No. But when God calls you to do something, you work through those obstacles and you get past the other side, you see God's will working and being fulfilled and he's using you and the blessings that come into your life. So don't miss out on those. Uh, when I was a, a student, I was 18 years old. I was in a two-year relationship, and then the girl broke up with me. That was the end of my life. I was done at that point. Um, I felt like my life was over. And at this point in my life, I'd begin to start teaching in student ministry. I was leading in certain spots. I was helping out with an evangelism program. I was doing all of these things. And I used this breakup as an excuse to not to continue to go. So my student pastor was asking me, and he says, hey, Michael, do you want to teach? And I was like, no, I can't. This, this relationship thing, it's just, it's too much for me. And then he's like, hey, Michael, you want to help lead? And I'm like, I if you only knew, I can't. Why are you asking me? Don't you know? I just broke up. And so I kept using this excuse over and over again. And one day he was driving me home from church, and uh, we're in the car, and he goes, Michael, how are you doing today? And I said, okay, this has been about a month. Uh, after. I said, I'm doing okay, but then I started doing the whole Eeyore thing. Woe is me, you know, and I'm just like all sad, and, 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 and he's like, something snapped in Ernie that day. He sits there, and then all of a sudden, I'm not going to do it because I don't want to scare all of you, he yelled at me, stop it. And I'm like, whoa, wait a minute, you're my friend, you're my youth minister, what's going on here? Like, get, let me out of the car. Like, I was upset, and I was offended, but I needed to hear a hard truth in my life. Stop making excuses from continuing to grow and answering what God's asking you to do. And he explained that to me. And maybe it is that you need someone in your life to tell you to stop making excuses. You are missing out and robbing yourself of blessings that God wants to do in your life. And he's calling you. We will always have excuses, always have an opportunity to make an excuse in our life. But why? We're missing out on so much. There will always be an excuse, but God is calling you, me, FBC Azel, to do great things. And it's a matter of whether or not we're willing to answer and do what he's calling us to do. So how about that this morning? Let's start off by quit making it. It's enough with the excuses. The second one, second point is this. God provides enough answers. If you notice, every time Moses made an excuse, what did God provide? He gave an answer. He gave them something. Not only, but first, isn't it awesome that when Moses came to him with real things, he came to him with real doubts, real fears, real anxieties, and he was pouring them out to God. God didn't say, hey, just stop it and brush it off. 
and say, hey, you know what? You got this. That's it. God gave him some reassurances. So isn't that great to know that when we express our doubts, our fears, our anxieties, the things that we're dealing with, the very real things to us, that God just doesn't look down on us and say, hey, get over it. But instead, he looks at us and he provides us resources. Not only did he just give him one way, but he gave him three ways for people to believe him. He says, all right, you got the staff, becomes a snake, put your hand in your cloak. He gives him three ways for him to do that. And then finally, I think it's like my kids. I ask my kids to do things sometimes. I'm like, hey, you want to take out trash? And they'll say, oh, but man, I just showered. It's hot out. I'll start to sweat. I'm like, it's literally there to there. Anyways. And then they're like, hey, someone take out the trash for me. They're like, I'm playing video games. Or, I mean, hey, you want to take out the trash? I'm doing my nails. I mean, there's always something. They've got an excuse. And then finally, I have to get the dad voice, all right? And I go, take out the trash now. And then they get up and do it. And Moses kept providing the mistakes. And God, it says that his anger kindled against Moses because he finally said, all right, that's it. I've gave you reassurances. I'm done with the excuses. Let's go. And I think that we have a hard time believing the reassurances and taking what God is, or, or going with what God is asking us to do because we like to be in control. It's very hard for us to sit back and not know what's next. There's some of us in here that go, okay, hey, listen, if I'm gonna do this, I need to know this step, this step, this step. I need to know the next five steps before I can do it. And if we don't know that, we say, I can't do that. Me, I work in student ministry. We just kind of roll with it all the time. It's, we don't, there's no structure, nothing. No, I'm just kidding. Um, we just go with it, though. You know, you got to go. But there's a time in Scripture where we see someone that's asked to do something crazy, and he just goes with it. If you remember Abraham, he made the, God made the promise to him, hey, I'm going to make you many descendants, and that had to start with one of his own kids. And so for 20 years, well, I mean, he's 70 when God first comes to him, about 70 when he first comes to him. Well, 20 years of this covenant that God is making with him, finally, I don't know what I'm doing here. Finally, God provides a son in Isaac. And so he gets this son that he's wanted his whole life. Him and Sarah now have this son. Well, then in 22, Genesis 22, God says, hey, I need you to do me a favor real quick. Or I'm asking you to do something. I need you to go up and offer Isaac as a sacrifice. And so when I see that, I go, okay, surely there's a chapter missing in the Bible where Abraham goes back and forth with God saying, God, what are you doing here? Um, sounds kind of crazy, but there isn't. The next verse is it says that Abraham got up and went early, and then he began to go. And not only did he go, but he had moments where it came up to the path, and someone said, or they stop, and he says, okay, hey, me and my son are going to go worship, and we're going to come back. And then Isaac, starting to put some pieces together here, says, Dad, I see the wood. I know what's going on. We're going to sacrifice, but where's, where's the lamb or ram? What's, where's the sacrifice at? And then Abraham says, hey, God's going to provide one. Here's the thing about Abraham. This is not something that he just overnight got this kind of faith or had this kind of trust or this belief. It took him years before this of him coming to God, expressing his doubt, going, God, listen, you're saying these things, but I don't see it. And God kept providing and kept providing and kept providing. Abraham had reached a point in his life where he realized that his relationship with God was no longer him in control. He had given all control to God. And he says, hey, listen, I fully trust you, God. I don't see, I don't know, I don't get it, 
but I trust you anyways. And for us, God provides enough reassurances in our life time and time again through scripture. We've seen it time and time again, maybe in your own life or someone else's life. You've heard the testimonies and you know God is good. God is faithful and God is always going to provide. And so it's enough with the excuses. God gives us enough answers. And last, you need to know this, that you are enough. You're not enough on your own. We were flawed, we are all that, but when we were in Christ, we are more than enough. So students, they come to us a lot of times and we ask them to do things. We're like, hey, listen, you wanna help serve here? You wanna help do this? You wanna, you wanna help do this? And then they'll say, well, I, I'm too busy with sports or I've got band or I've got this. They start to make excuses. But if I've learned anything throughout student ministry, I've learned that the initial excuse that they give us is just a cover up for how they really feel. They feel that they're inadequate. They feel like that they do not have what it takes. They're not equipped enough. And they feel like all their past failures, everything that they faced is defining and decides what they'll be in the future. And so when we say, hey, do you wanna participate in this or do you wanna help lead this? They come at us with excuses. And sometimes I just wanna shake them and go, God has got great plans for you. Let go of your fear, let go of your anxiety and realize you are enough in Christ and he is calling you to do some great things. So Paul at one point had a thorn in his side and in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, he had been praying for this thorn to be removed and this is God's response. But, but, but he said to me, this is God talking to, or with Paul and it says, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul saying, therefore I will boast all the more gladly in my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. He doesn't need you to be perfect. He doesn't need you to have it figured all out. He's calling you and you are enough. A lot of times I think that we, we get this, this time in our lives where we, we get called by God to do something. We say, hey, God is calling me to do this in my life. But if God really knew who I was and where I came from, he would not be calling me to do this. But I tell you, God doesn't sit there and go, oh my gosh, I forgot. Yes, you did that. Never mind. I don't need you. I'm not calling you. But God knows who he's calling. He knows. And there's some times throughout scripture where he has used some imperfect people. And let me go through a list of just some of them for you. Abraham was old. Elijah was suicidal. Joseph was abused. Job went bankrupt. Moses had a speech problem. Gideon was afraid. Samson was a womanizer. Rahab was a prostitute. The Samaritan woman was divorced. Noah was a drunk. Jeremiah was young. Jacob was a cheater. David was a murderer. Jonah ran from God. Naomi was a widow. Peter denied Christ three times. Martha worried about everything. Zacchaeus was too small and money hungry. The disciples fell asleep while he was praying. Paul was a Pharisee who persecuted Christians and killed him. God uses imperfect people and he's not calling you by mistake. We have a student, if you were here after mission trip, you heard the testimony of Allison O'Donnell. She's over here, right? She's somewhere back here, right there. Allison, um, we were planning for the mission trip and in the process of planning, we had a meeting. We sat down, we said, hey, we need people to do certain things. We need people to help with rec, people to help with this, this. Well, so when it came to teaching, it kind of got quiet and we kind of looked around. We're like, all right, someone's gotta teach. Allison raises her hand up and you can see in Allison, 
She's, she, you can see the fear in her eyes. I know her. I've known her for a really long time. So I could see the fear in her eyes and I could see her hand kind of shaking as she raises her hand. And she volunteered to teach third and fourth grade. So when we go to the mission trip, we're this day two and they're delivering the Bible study to them and it's uh, offering the plan of salvation to these kids. And so when she goes and gives this uh, lesson, seven, I think it was seven, seven of the kids in her group accepted Christ that day. And here's the thing. She was scared. She felt unprepared. She felt inadequate, but she didn't make excuses. She allowed God to do what he was calling her to do, and it led to the salvation of other people. Here's the thing. Don't make excuses. Trust the provisions God's given you and know that you are more than enough in Christ. Let's pray. Dear Holy Father, Lord, I give you thanks so much for who you are. We are so undeserving, and yet you love us. You still care for us. No matter how imperfect we are or where we've come, Lord, you have shown us time and time again, and you speak truth in our lives, and you tell us you are enough. And I thank you for that, Lord. Lord, I pray this morning that you just move. You wipe the excuses away. That you continually show us that we are enough. And Lord, that we begin to answer what you're calling in our lives, Lord. Lord, I pray that our relationships, the people in this room, that our relationships begin to change, that we release control and that we give you all the control. And that when you call, we're not afraid of what's next. We don't even need to know what's next. We just know that you called and we're willing to answer. I thank you. I thank you for the way you're moving in this church and the way you're moving in this community, Lord. And I pray you continue to do that. As we enter in time of invitation, all eyes are closed and all heads are bowed. Maybe you've got some things you've got to work out. Maybe God is calling and tugging on your heart to do something and you're just uncomfortable, you feel inadequate, you don't feel like you're knowledgeable enough, whatever it is, and you're resisting that call, I pray this morning that you quit resisting. That you come down to this altar and you say, God, listen, I know you're calling me and I want to answer that call. I pray that whatever's working in your life, whatever's going on in your life, that you come resolve that this morning at this altar and that you don't carry and continue to take those feelings that you have of inadequacy or whatever it is, don't take them out of here, but yet you leave them here at the altar today and you begin to answer God every time he calls you. Maybe it is that you, you heard this and, and you've heard of Jesus, you've heard of God, you've, you've heard of all this and you've been here, but you've never accepted Jesus is your personal Lord and Savior. You never enter in that relationship. I tell you, don't leave this room until you do. Come down and say, hey, I never accepted Jesus, but I want to today. I want to know that love. I want to feel that calling, and I want to be used by God. And we'll pray with you. Maybe some of you have been coming for a long time to this church, and you say, hey, you know what? I love the church. I want to get plugged in more. I want to grow. I want to further my walk. Maybe it's time for you to join. Well, you can come do that too. Well, let's stand as we sing. And if you've got something you need to work out or something you need to, to, to talk about, come down here.